What does it mean that God created us to be like Him? The answer is, well, everything. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we look at all the wonderful possibilities from being created in the image of God. We are in, uh, ooh, that's episode three of our study, Life-Changing, not Life-Changing, oh goodness, that was last time. This is called In His Image. And this is a look at Genesis 1 and what God created us for and just delving into this a little bit. Because I, I, as we were going through this, I realized there's many rabbit holes that we could go down and I didn't want to take all that time in Genesis to go down those rabbit holes. But we have a little bit of time now, so we're going to go down some of the rabbit holes. What we've established so far is that God created mankind in his image. He gave us two commands. The first command was to be fruitful and multiply, and the other is to subdue the earth. Those two hands go hand in hand. You cannot, after the fall, you cannot be fruitful and multiply unless we subdue the earth. Before the fall, that was all up to God, right? We just had to be fruitful and multiply. Although uh, he did give us this command to subdue the earth also as a part of this, but um, and the two go hand in hand, the subduing the earth and the be fruitful and multiply. You cannot be fruitful and multiply unless you subdue the earth. You cannot create a population of 7 billion people on this earth unless mankind is able to figure out how to feed, house, clothe, grow 7 million people. And so the two do go hand in hand. And that was at the garden, in the garden. So, so even before the fall, there was this plan that it's that that we should be fruitful, multiply, and, and subdue the earth. Now, and I, I know this sounds just crazy, but that I mean, I'm harping on stuff that we're just talking about over and over again. But the, the point is that we were created for these things. When God placed us in the Garden of Eden as his perfect pinnacle of creation in his image, part of the desire of mankind, the reason why we're created is to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Like this is to be to be fulfilled in life to be to be the the creation that God created us we we should we should be fruitful multiply and we should subdue the earth like this is when God created us he created us with certain uh, instincts urges psychological makeup all this whatever it is and and all of that is to be fruitful and multiply and to subdue the earth so uh, the question is, why wouldn't we do that? Like, why wouldn't a person uh, be fruitful, multiply? I mean, if we are created in the image of God, and if God, out of love, had to create the earth, he didn't have to, I mean, he created the earth, and he created mankind out of love, because that's his character, God is love, then if we're created in his image, then we also have the ability to create life, right? We man and women come together, they create life and they raise that life and they you know, they subdue, they understand the complexities of the world, they continue to grow in that. Like why wouldn't anybody do that? That's like the complete fulfillment of why mankind was created was to be in the image of God, to be able to come together, to create life, to raise that life, to enjoy all the blessings of the world around us, to seek out as Star Trek, so you seek out new life and new civilization, like seek out the world and figure out. It's like a child. Um, I think of my daughter 
who has two children and, and she's got these toys. And one of the toys is uh, it's a peg that sits up and it's got different sized donuts. And you have to put the donuts in the order of, you know, from largest to biggest. So you have this triangular shape. And kids love to do that. They, they like that, like our brains are created to figure this stuff out. And we just so much enjoy watching our kids or our grandkids or our great grandkids, right? Like figure this out. It's like we were created from this. I mean, if you look at kids, they just love exploring and figuring out the world around us. We have on our uh, campus at uh, Christ Lutheran Vale, we have creation school. And it's just so fun to watch the kids in the playground. We have a lot of thing called creative discovery learning, which is, you know, we've got lots of just loose pieces out on the, you know, on the playground. We have two by fours and crates. I mean, just, just odd pieces. And they'll try to figure out, you know, how to put these pieces together and create, you know, new things. Last week or two weeks ago, there was a, a stream of water that they were turning on that was going and creating erosion in the playground. And, um, and so the people playing upstream turned the water on to the people downstream and it, it was muddy. And so they, they had a confab, you know, they came together and they said, okay, how can we prevent, we know you love playing with the water up front, but it's, it's affecting what we're doing. And so they thought about it, well, we could dam up the water. So they, they put stones in, they created a dam and they did creative problem, problem solving. And, um, then they had bridges. I mean, they created this incredible, um, ecosystem of dams and bridges and water streams and stuff like that to figure out life. And that's what life is all about. I mean, that's why we're created to, to create life and love that life and raise that life and have joy with that life, you know, kids, and then, uh, and then to figure out the world. So the question is, why wouldn't we? Like if you were Adam and Eve and in the garden, why wouldn't you be like every other animal in the animal kingdom and create life and, and, and just raise them and be, you know, uh, I don't want to say be gods to them, but, but basically be like God is to us. We are to our children, right? We are, we're in charge of them. We get to raise them. We get to mold their brains. We get to shape their brain. You can't really do that with any other animal, but you can do it with humans. You can, you can help them see the future and, and, and do all sorts of things with them that we can do. Anyway, the reason why we don't have as many children, uh, the reason why there's always a limitation in having children, right? I mean, given given that we were in the Garden of Eden and God says, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth, there's absolutely no problem with that. Like, we would have done that, no problem. I mean, it's why we're created. But after the fall, there's a problem. And what's the problem? Well, let's go back to the story of the fall. It's in Genesis 3. And I just want to read this story to you. It's about the serpent. In Hebrew, it's the Hanahash, always portrayed as a snake. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. 
She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man, Where are you? Or as they say in German, Adam, wo bist du? Because obviously God spoke German. Um, the man in the wide heard, remember they used to walk with God in the cool of the day. So they heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the cool of the day. And the Lord God calls out, Adam and Eve, where are you? They were hiding from God. They knew that they had done something wrong. They were afraid of God and so they hid from him. And so the story goes on. He answered, this is Adam, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, well, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So everybody's finger pointing here, right? The man blames the woman. The woman blames the serpent. Where did the serpent come from? It doesn't really say in scripture. It's like, why is there a serpent in the garden? Those are all great theological questions. And I don't really want to pursue those right now because what I really want to get to is to the next thing is the curses. So let's just listen to the curses that God has uh, because of this. Beginning of verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is the classic pre, pre, pre-call, pre-something to, to Jesus, right? This is the four foretaste of Jesus that's going to be coming and uh, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is that Jesus will uh, crush Satan's head, but Satan will strike the heel of Jesus, which means that Jesus will die, but ultimately Jesus crushes the head of the serpent. Um, this is this is the, the forecast. The uh, There's a word there. I can't, uh, it's escaping me, but basically that Jesus is going to come into the world, um, this is this is the curse to Satan. But let's go on to the to the woman. This is what he says to the woman. To the woman he said, "I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you." So this is now the curse that God gives to the woman at the fall and just listen to what the curse is i will make your pains in childbearing very severe if you go out to all the other animal kingdom they all give birth and some of it looks painful of course we don't know how pain works in all the different animal kingdom but remember they don't they don't have a choice in these things the other rest of the animal kingdom they get pregnant then they gestate this child or they lay an egg and they, you know, sit on the egg for a while if you're oviparous. Um, 
And then from, from that, they have children. And, but humankind, only animal in the animal kingdom, when they know that they're pregnant, there's also this fear of the future that there's going to be pain in childbirth. And we also know that there can be death in childbirth, that some women actually will have complications from the birth and that they potentially could die from this. So every time that life is created in a woman, there's this potential that the woman could die from this. And we all know that it's going to be very, very painful if you've ever been around a woman giving childbirth. We can tell that it is very, very painful. I will tell you firsthand experience that it is very painful. And it's something that women don't really enjoy going through. I mean, it's not even just the the pain, but the, the physical changes. You carry that child in your body, it actually can change the woman, you know, her structure, her, her body. I mean, it's it's a very, very, very difficult thing. And it's a life-altering thing, a body-altering thing. So one of the reasons why women would not have or not want to have children would because it is just very painful and it's life-altering from the from the body. And uh, But if it wasn't for that, I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that this curse came in, the natural pre-fall inclination for, for a man and a woman is to come together and have children. It's the greatest joy there is. I tell this to everybody that I possibly can. The greatest joy I've experienced in my life, and I've done a lot of things, is to have children. To be able to come together with my wife, create life, and then raise that life. I mean, it truly is, man... I don't think there's anything in this world that is a greater calling or a greater joy or a greater thing that a, that two people could do than to come together and create life and then raise that life. I'm, and if it wasn't for this curse to women, I think all women naturally, I don't know if you've ever seen a young mom cradling her baby or nursing her baby. I mean... I remember my oldest when she had our first grandchild and she said, Dad, I just, I had no idea um, how much I would love this child. She, I, she, I just had no idea. Of course you don't have an idea because it hasn't happened yet. Um, this is something that you can describe, but it is nothing that you will understand until you actually take this leap of faith and have children and, and then, you know, birth the children and raise the children. I mean, it, it, is, it is mind-altering. It is life-altering. And the growth that happens in parents from the time they have children until they raise them, the, the self-sacrifice, the understanding that this child is completely in your care. You, there is nobody else in the world except mom and dad that are going to love this child. I mean, there might be grandparents and other people involved, but if mom and dad are, are there... There is no one else that this that, that can love this child better than mom and you know the two people that created it. I mean, this is this is the greatest joy that we have as humankind. And I, I think when it says that we're created in God's image, it is that that we get to create life and then raise life and be like. I mean, we're not gods, right? We're not, but but we are godlike in the fact that we get to raise these children however we want to. 
And in most cultures, the ability of parents to raise it, we, we leave parents completely alone. And most, you know, you can raise that child however you want. You are their parents. And in a perfect world, you know, with parents that do a, you know, a halfway decent job, we, we don't have to ever get involved, right? Now, obviously, there are, there are parents that have issues from all sorts of things because we live in a fallen condition. We live in a fallen world. And nobody's perfect. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He said, all parents damage their children at some level because all parents are sinful. And because all parents are sinful, we're not going to be perfect parents. At some level, we're, not, we're just going to damage our children, um, which is so true. But the, the, the great joy is, is that, that maybe by and large, we do more great good for our children than the harm that we might do for our children. If we could just get them out to on their own, and then get them to raise their own children. Then they'll look back and say, oh, so this is the love that my parents had for me. The same love that I have for my children is the, the love that my parents had for me. I mean, it comes full circle. And you, you cannot really understand your parents' love for you um, until you've gone through this experience and seen what it is like to love another human being that, that you created. Uh, and I will even extend that to you will never under you will not fully completely understand the love of god for you perhaps until we see him face to face and and but but maybe part of the reason why god causes us to be fruitful multiply and to have children is at some level to understand just a smidgen of what god's love must be for us and jesus brought this home when he told us how to pray and he said our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name it's like god is like our father in heaven and as much as we love our children is, is how much God loves us. And, and if it were not for the fall and the curses that come out of this, I think every human would get to experience, you know, having children, raising children. But unfortunately, we had the fall. And, and the part, first part of the fall is to the woman, which is it's going to be painful. And the other one, which is really interesting, is your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. So we talk about today about uh, women's equality, you know, in the workplace and all that stuff. I have no problem with that at all. But there is this thing in Scripture that says that God says to women that your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Which means that at some level, women now, and maybe it's because of the next curse, but women need their husband. They, their, their desire is for their husband. And perhaps they even, I mean, it's, it's, it came in the fall that, that he will rule over you and you'll have a desire for him to be in your life. Um, this is part of that curse also. We're going we're gonna to go look at the 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 curse to the man. Let's just look at that real quick in verse 17. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken." For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we have this incredible 
um, curse to mankind. This, you know, from dust you are into dust you return. A lot of times that's said uh, on Ash Wednesday. Oftentimes it's said at funerals that, you know, this, this remembrance that God created us out of the dust and we go back to the dust. But this whole idea that now you have a family. Now, every man is created. I, I, let me put it this way. I am created. I have this strong creational desire in me that I want to protect my wife and my kids. Um, you could almost call it chivalrous. There's a there's a thing out there today that says men cannot be chivalrous. Men should not be chivalrous because when men are chivalrous, it's oppressing women. I believe that at a deep nature, a deep calling in men, we have this desire to be chivalrous to our family. And I, I cannot explain it. And if you're not a man, you cannot understand it. But there is this huge, um, and if you if you watch boys play, right, they want to be the hero. You know, they want to wear capes and they want to have swords and they want to, you know, be the superhero. This is, I'm not saying women don't want to be this also because at some level they, they can do this, but it is deep-seated in men. I mean, there is, and I don't know if I can, and I, I, I don't know if it's all men, but it's this man, this man that's talking me. I have always, always had a deep, visceral desire to be chivalrous, to do the right thing, to protect, uh, to protect um, Jennifer and to protect my kids. It's it's just something that I can't explain. And I I know my son just got engaged. He's going to get married. And I can just see it in him. He has this strong, strong, strong desire to protect her. And I know that when they have kids, she has a strong desire to protect them too. I've got two son-in-laws and you just watch them. It's just, it's, I can't explain it. I can only explain it to myself. But um, th- there is something about this that goes deep and it is, you, you cannot say, I know that the world says that there's no difference between men and women, modern science. And there may be a lot of truth to different things about that. But whatever the hormones are that women get and the hormones that men get, they do produce different things in the brain that make people act differently. And I, for me personally, I see myself totally different as Jennifer. And I see this huge... Um, desire to protect. Now, she has a huge desire to protect also. She has a desire to protect the children. And in some levels, she has a huge desire to protect me. But as I've talked to her and interacted, I don't think it's the same. I think it's different. And um, I think it all comes back to this, this curse that God says to Eve, your desire will be for your husband. But the man, what does he want to do? He wants to get food and shelter and clothing and protect the family, but it's not going to come easy. The ground is going to be cursed and it'll be painful toiling to eat from it and it will produce thorns and thistles. And when you eat the plants, it's just not going to be easy. You're going to have to work really, really hard, not only to provide for you, but to provide for the family. This all comes out of the curse. 
the curse to Adam, the curse to Eve. Um, if it wasn't for these curses, I do wonder what life would have been like. And I, and I, I dream about this, this life that maybe mankind you know, walks through the garden and sees grapes and apples and animals and fruit and, and plants that maybe don't even exist anymore. He just gathers them up and he gives them to, you know, to everybody or, you know, maybe they go and gather them up and give them to each other. I have no idea. I mean, it's just maybe this division of labor that we have comes from the curse where, you know, it does take two people. It takes one to nurse the child and one to go and get the food. Now, I know that this sounds like horribly bad sexist language, and, and I apologize if it comes across that way. But when I read Genesis, I see this as kind of all part of mankind, is that this is just how we happen to do life. And uh, it comes from Genesis 3. I don't think there's any higher calling to a man or a woman to have children and to subdue the earth. And I think if we lived in the garden, we would do both of these very, very well. But because of the curse, we don't get to do it very well. My, I know that there are some people that cannot have children. So um, some of them just don't have children or they adopt. Uh, some people feel like their calling is more to subdue the earth uh, I think of Isaac Newton, my hero. He was childless, but he was inventing the laws of, you know, kind of codifying the laws of physics, which we use today. Uh, but in an unlimited world where you had unlimited time, right? They haven't done death yet. Unlimited time, unlimited food, unlimited things to do. I think Isaac Newton could have had children and also invented the laws of physics. I mean, it, it was limited by time. Because we now have death on the earth. But if there was no death, then I think having children and subduing the earth, which would just be a natural part of, of our calling for humanity. Um, now, this has huge implications into the world today. And we're not going to talk about them today, but we're going to talk about them tomorrow. So um, I think I just wanted to lay that groundwork. And uh, I think you'll enjoy tomorrow. I hope you enjoy tomorrow, but we're going to just go ahead and close it in prayer. Gracious God, for the blessings of this day, thank you. Lord, thank you in my life that you gave me the great joy of creating life and raising that life, which I still get to do. Um, so uh, be with us until we meet again tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen.